BetMGM on the BetQL Network. Your hosts, Kate Constable and Cameron Smith. Good afternoon. Welcome into the Better Angle here on the BetQL Network. He's Cam Smith. I am Kate Constable. Cam, it's good to be back with you. Yeah, we were both great gone to be back last with you week. as well. Right. Yeah. You know, both out of town, enjoying life, right? We to were both levels. enjoying life a little bit differently. You were <laughs> right. at the All-Star Game, working, doing some cool things. Yeah. I was drinking in Mexico. So, uh, you, know I, you know, there's balance. You know what? I, I would have traded a trip to Mexico <laughs> yeah. to just drink my life away. So that would be great. But for sure, no, it was great times. Uh, obviously, great to be back in studio with everybody, with yes. Randy Merkin, Kevin Lapko. We got Mario braided up now, yeah. so love to see it. So this is going to be a fun, another fun run for the better angle. Um, and we have, like, it feels weird. We don't have football to talk about. Well, we don't have football games to talk right, about. Right, we still yeah. have plenty of football to talk about. Right. And later in the show, we are going to talk to a pretty cool football guy, Steve Spagnola, defensive yeah, coordinator yeah. for the he, Chiefs. Like, he's that's done some cool, things right? in his career, yeah. right? You know, won some championships, things like that. Yeah, so. he's coming on the show 5 p.m. Central, 6 p.m. in the East. It's going to be great. Um, also going to talk to Adam Rittenberg college uh espn college writer yeah it's gonna be a great show a lot of, lot of good stuff yes college basketball now that like everyone's turning their attention yeah. to that uh we're in the thick of things only a couple weeks left till march yep. some great games going on today uh, duke and wake forest uh -oh. coming uh -oh. down to the wire here oh, three no. minutes left wake is up five. Oh boy i know cam i know you have duke in this one yeah, yeah. so we're gonna we're gonna be rooting for uh the blue devils down the stretch here please yeah, I'll do we that. Need, we need all the good energy yep. that we can get for the Blue Devils, my Blue Devils. Yes, yes. And if you're out there watching on Twitch right now or listening in, yes, I am a Duke fan. If you missed that episode of The Better Angle before, well, you know, it, it's a deep history that I have with Duke. <laughs> so it's not like I'm a Fairweather fair fan. Weather I'm not fan. a new no. Duke fan. No, this is going on going on all the way back to like the early 90s. Yeah, so, yeah. so that's fair. Um, Houston and Baylor earlier today oh, was a fantastic yeah. game. We'll get into that one and kind of break down what we saw, what we think of those teams going forward into the tournament. But we do have a couple big-time games tipping off here in just, I mean, mere moments. So want to get into those quick. Okay. North Carolina and Virginia, UNC, number 10, they are on the road. They have not won at John Paul Jones Arena. Cam, since 2012. Ooh, man, I can't even remember what I was doing in 2012. Right? But it's been that long since Carolina's I was still in college right yeah Oof, man no I was working somewhere I was. I was freelancing somewhere but yeah it's just been a tough road really for North Carolina I think they don't get a win again and that streak extends it's, for them because they just they haven't been the team that you view as the number one team in the ACC at least standings wise right. in their recent run especially on the road like they've they dropped three of their last six a team that just looks different from when they're away from Chapel Hill but even when they're inside of Chapel Hill we, we saw Clemson go in there and get a win. So mm -hmm. this is a group that after that win against Duke that we saw for the first matchup, it felt like that was their ACC championship. That was their NCAA tournament championship because after that game, you're looking at loss after loss after loss. So they beat Duke 93-84. After that, back at home, as I mentioned, lost to Clemson. You follow that up with a win in Miami. Then you lose to Syracuse. That was That's a bad loss. Syracuse? Really? Yeah, on you're the on the road, too. I, I but get it's on the road, but come on. No, like, you let's, still let's have to win that game. So it's been a, a flip-flopping back and forth in the win and the loss column for North Carolina. So I'm sure they're hoping that Duke loses just so they can get a little, a little breathing, breathing room, room right, in, in terms of the top of the spot for the ACC. So it'll be interesting with that game to see what for, happens. Virginia got destroyed they got smoked. on Monday night. It was embarrassing. At Virginia Tech. That was that game was embarrassing. Um, from the jump, like, Virginia was just not in it at all. They Their offense is so, I mean, just bad. Yeah, yeah. That if they're not, if, if they can't get anything going, like, 
nothing's going to happen in the game. Right. There, there's no way they're going to stay in it, right? right. Uh, so I think, I mean, I still am not like confident that their offense is going to be significantly better at home. You would think it would be, but I think their defense is going to show up here yeah. in a big spot coming yeah. off of that like really embarrassing loss yeah. to Virginia Tech. So you've got to imagine that they can slow UNC down a little bit. If anything, I would look at the under in this game yeah, no doubt. Uh, just no because doubt. you have to imagine that Virginia is going to come out with a lot of intensity, especially on the defensive end. They have no choice but to right. make it just a drag it out, have court low possession type of game. That's their best opportunity to win a ball game against mm -hmm. North Carolina, who's going to want to go up and down the court in transition. If you watch them play and you think about what they bring offensively to that attack, let by Elliot Cadeau, and just also what they're bringing R.J. Davis-wise, scoring the basketball from that guard position, that is where North Carolina has really always thrived in transition. So if you know this program, then you know they always have dynamic guards, guards that can get out on the break and really thrive in transition. But then Armando Baycott is another guy. If they want to, Virginia does, want to make it a half-court physical type of game, then that's where you need a guy that's been in college for it's like 20 <laughs> years to really step up and be a grown man in that matchup. So it's a dangerous game that Virginia is going to play with this and try to make it a half-court game because when you have shooters and playmaking ability from the guard standpoint that Carolina does, then if you're not able to hold them down in the half-court, you could be looking at another Virginia Tech-type loss yeah. where you lose by 30-plus. And on your home court, yeah. that would maybe be even worse. Yeah, for sure. You Not lose good. a lot of fans with that. <laughs> yeah. Um, another top 25 matchup that I think is going to be significantly different style of play than the Virginia <laughs> game. Uh, number 13, Alabama at number 17, Kentucky. That one's tipping off here. Kentucky's a two-and-a-half-point favorite. That line's mm -hmm. kind of been moving over the last couple days in favor of Kentucky. Wildcats are coming off of a loss at LSU, which was right after – that one – not expected, but like you can right. see why that one happened. Kentucky beat Auburn a couple of nights before that. That was a huge win yeah. on the road. Then they have Alabama that they're looking ahead to. So that LSU game, mm -hmm. a little bit of a sandwich spot. And, I mean, just wasn't able to pull it out down the stretch. Right, right. And it's one of those things, too, where you see – Rob Dillingham, who should be the clear favorite for mm -hmm. SEC Freshman of the Year. Like, yes. If there's anybody else out there, then please, you know, add us at me, at Cam Smith, Cameron Smith. So, and we could talk about this thing, but I can't put another freshman no. ahead of Rob Dillingham and what he's been able to do with Kentucky in the SEC. But when you have a situation with Kentucky defensively, you don't know who's going to show up if they're going to show up at all, because we've seen games where they've allowed opponents to score 80, 90 plus, yeah. or you see a game where they go on the road against Auburn and hold them below, well below 70 points. So when you have a game against LSU and them knowing that, yeah, I'm sure that the Wildcats are looking towards the Alabama mm -hmm. game, that's cool. We'll send them home. <laughs> in hell. But it was just a weird finish in that ball game when you look at that final play and just how it was able to happen for LSU to get that win. But a win is a win and you move it forward. But Kentucky is a team that with them going back home, you would look at that total and try and see if you want to take the over on that. And that's where mm -hmm. I'm leaning towards when you have Alabama led by Mark Sears and, of course, Kentucky with their guard group led by Rob Dillingham to just put on an offensive explosion. So if you're looking at that total, 176 and a half, and they're like, Cam, that's way too high, 176. Over. No. Have you watched Kentucky play this year? Have you watched Alabama play this year? These guys can get after it. So I wouldn't even blink. I wouldn't flinch at taking the over on the total. No, I'm taking the over as well. I mean, Alabama, in their last three games, they put up at least 98. One yeah. of those was overtime, but, right, I mean, right, either right. way. Um, and at least one team in Alabama's five last five matchups has hit 99 mm -hmm. points. So yeah. you know you're going to get a, a ton of points from Bama. To your point of everything you just said about Kentucky's offense, they can go off. Kentucky isn't a 
consistent enough team on the defensive end to really right. back that. They looked great defensively against Old Miss, looked great defensively against Auburn, reverted back to their reg- or early season ways on the defensive end yeah. against LSU. Yep. So I'm yep. not sure you're going to – all you can bank on them all of a sudden just bouncing back to being like a grinded-out type of defensive right. performance right. here, um, especially – when they're going to have to match Alabama scoring. You have to. You have to. Look, if you want to get drafted and you're in the rotation for either Kentucky or Alabama, this is your game. Yep. It is time to show your offensive repertoire, whatever you've been working on in the offseason, pre-practice, post-practice, this is the game. You want to try and make some money, go ahead and do that and have those pro aspirations because, again, nobody's playing defense. It's going to be a high-scoring transition type of game, a lot of possessions within this one. But it should be fun basketball because that's just what basketball is now, yeah. right? This is the era that we're in where it's a lot of offense, it's little defense, and it's going to be high-scoring. And we're at the point of the season where, like, these games matter yeah. a lot, yeah. um, especially for, you know, NCAA standings and where people fall uh, in the bracket and all that jazz. Cam, three-point game. Duke and Wake. How are we feeling? 42 seconds left. Can I, I know we just started the show, but can, can I go home right now? No, you cannot. I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't do this I solo. Can't, I, no. But Randy is phenomenal. We know Randy Merkin <laughs> is phenomenal. Kevin yeah, Lapka. Yeah, yeah that's true. All right, fine. You're well. out of here. You know, all right. You know, go I'll home. see everybody. Leave. I'm going to go home so I can maybe try and draw up any kind of juju, good juju for <laughs> these Blue Devils. But no, it, if they can be a team that we've seen time and time again on the road in ACC play, I believe they have the best record in ACC play at 6-1 and one, um, in terms of just defensively holding teams down. We saw that when they had that trip to Florida. In fact, this is their third straight road game. They handled Florida State. They definitely handled Miami in the next game. And so you're looking at this situation that they're in against Wake Forest. You're like, all right, dead legs a little bit. But mm-hmm. also at the same time, you're going to need some stops on the defensive end. You're only down two. And you got to kind of lean into that Duke tradition. Go yeah. and bring out Steve Wojciechowski. Somebody get out there, slap the floor, <laughs> and yell defense or something like that so you can get those vibes going. But it's a dangerous situation right now for Duke because, again, they want that rematch against North Carolina inside of Cameron Indoor March 9th. That is going to be yeah. a major game. One, if Duke can pull off this win because standings-wise right now, they're at the top of the ACC. Carolina and Duke have – identical records at 12 and three, I believe. So this is a great opportunity for them, not only to, if they can get the win, create more breathing room for themselves, but then also put on more pressure for North Carolina, who has to have to basically win the remaining games in conference play to get a share of the ACC title. So for this sure. is a, this is a big 42 seconds left in this game between Duke and Wake Forest. And Virginia is only half a game back from North Carolina and Duke. So mm, Virginia wins today, yeah. gets a little bit closer to the top of the standings. Um, my Iowa Hawkeyes just blew a lead. Um, of course they did. That's kind of expected. <laughs> like anytime you're feeling good, you're up against a good team. They're playing at Illinois today. Um, yeah, you just kind of wait for the letdown to come. And that's what's happened here. Down 10 oh, with a minute boy. and a half left. Oh, it's not looking good. It's Kate. just, it's just you guys classic were competitive Iowa. Maybe about 20, yeah, they were 20, like 20, 20 minutes ago. Yeah, 20 minutes 20, ago. 20 minutes ago, 30 minutes ago. Oh, jeez. Speaking of letdowns and just blowing leads, what the hell was that with Illinois the other night uh, at Penn State? That was bad. My goodness. Up nine? I think it was maybe like just under a minute left. Uh, yeah, or like something. under a minute left. Yes. And you just forget how to play basketball. I don't I don't understand how that happens. I know it happens a lot and like you know, with the three point shot, like yeah. you teams can get back in it. Right. But it should never happen. If yeah. I was the, if I was Brad Underwood, I would be furious, yeah. which I'm sure he was. 
That would make me so angry. Take the jerseys off. Anything that says Illini across your Don't chest. Don't deserve to wear or it. Logo-wise, take it off. You're wearing white T-shirts for <laughs> practice. And shoot around. We're not saying, you know, one, two, three, fighting Illini or Illinois anything. Just, no, one, two, three, go team. Something like that. Mm -hmm. Because what that was against Penn State, it shouldn't have happened. And you have Penn State's best player leave the team right before that game, and you still put out that lack of effort. It was unbelievable for Illinois fans. So I think this this win and this comeback win, honestly, against Iowa it's should probably. kind of bring some people back to the fighting Illini side a little bit and say, okay, we know it happens. This sports, you have letdowns, and we almost had another one. But, you know, we bounce back and, and try to prepare ourselves for the Big Ten Championship. But it was a great opportunity for Illinois to it possibly get a piece of the Big Ten Championship if they would have got won that game against Penn State, I believe, with the uh, standings and how they look. Uh, with him and Purdue, well, to, Purdue's two and a half games above Illinois right now, which you just you just never know yeah. what what can happen. We know that with Purdue, they've they've suffered shaky, some some losses, the road, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, lost to Northwestern. Who was their other loss? They just lost. They just lost to uh, Ohio State. Ohio That's State, what yeah. it was over yeah. the weekend. Yeah, they have three losses in the Big Ten, but they're going to win the Big Ten. It's, yeah, it's over. Yeah, true. yeah. yeah, very true. Very true. Pur this Purdue team, I think. I mean, this is not shocking news to anyone, can be a Final Four team. They yeah. should have been last year, but got bounced in the first round. I think you, I mean, clearly you're going to learn a ton from that. But their guard play this year, just with this being the second year for Braden Smith, right. um, some of those guards, just more mature. They understand yeah. the moment a little bit more. So I think we're going to be seeing a Purdue team that goes fairly deep in the tournament. This yeah. year. They, they added your guy, uh, uh, Lance Jones. Yeah, Lance yeah, Jones. Yeah, I think he's Saluki, the X yeah. factor on this team this I year. Agree. I also, agree. Also, Lukies are the X factor. Everywhere, everywhere, baby, especially on that defensive end. So <laughs> I think Purdue is Virginia. When Virginia uh, lost to a 16th seed and came back and won the national championship, I think Purdue's think they could okay. do that yeah how crazy would that team. be if like a, uh, within 10 years that happens because when was that virginia that wasn't all that long ago 2018 2019 yeah. Yeah, to lose to a 16 seed yeah. and yeah. the very next year come back and win it all yeah. that's pretty wild i'm just I, i'm having more faith in my former head coach matt painter he was my, my he was coach. your head coach he was my coach my freshman year at southern illinois no so way the transition was when Bruce Weber had his final season at Southern Illinois before he took the Illinois job, Matt Painter, along with Chris Lowry, who's an assistant at Northwestern under Chris Collins now, they were on that staff. So when Weber left to go to U of I that next season, my freshman year, was the first year of Matt Painter as head coach. So mm. he did a phenomenal, phenomenal job with that season. Went 17-1, and one, I believe. Uh, that year, we almost tied Indiana State, the Larry Bird Indiana State team, as the only other team to go undefeated in conference play in the Missouri Valley. But we got tripped up in the final mm. game. Oh, it hurts so much. Classic because you, know, you, you remember your losses <laughs> more than your wins. Oh, for if sure. If you hooped or played How, How'd you play in that game? Did you have a bad game? Uh, no, I, I didn't play at all. No, I didn't play at all. Oh, okay. No, no, no. Okay. I, it was you like 50 or senior year. Yeah, I, was, I was a young pup. Yeah. You know, I was, you know, 180 pounds soaking wet. So <laughs> I was not getting any parts of the court with that. But, no, he, he's a great coach that understands, one, what the moment is, but gets the best out of his players. And so I think that's why that guard group with Lance Jones is going to be the X factor for Purdue and attorney. Well, we got a lot more hoops talk coming up on the other side, but also Cam was at All-Star break. We're going to talk about that, too. Stay with us. This is The Better Angle. Coming up, more live sweats and winning bets with The Better Angle on the BetQL Network, presented by BetMGM.
You're listening to The Better Angle on the BetQL Network, presented by BetMGM. Welcome back into The Better Angle here on the BetQL Network. Cam, you were, we were both gone last weekend, yeah. as we touched on yep. before. Um, you were in Indianapolis yes. at the All-Star Game, all the weekend festivities. Tell us about it. Like, oh, what was man. going on there? You know what? It is always a privilege to be able to cover an NBA All-Star Game and All-Star Weekend. That was my third time covering yeah. NBA All-Star Weekend. So the first What other games did you, or cities were you at? I was in Dallas back in 2010, and I'm, I'm starting to think that maybe it's just me, because now two of the three All-Star Weekends that I've attended, it snowed. <laughs> so in 2010 in Dallas, they had a major snowstorm. So if you were in Dallas for the NBA All-Star Weekend back in 2010, you remember how bad that snow was. And then when yeah. I'm, I'm driving last Friday, I, I leave Chicago around 2 o'clock after, in the afternoon. And keep in mind that Indianapolis is an hour ahead. They're in Eastern Standard uh, Time. I get there maybe a little around 6 o'clock. And as soon as I get to the city limits, I'm starting to see snow fall down. And not just fall down, but just stick. And now it's piling up. And keep in mind, it's Friday, it's mm-hmm. rush hour, people are trying to get to Everyone's out downtown, about. Naptown, and get there and just enjoy the festivities. Traffic is ridiculous. And, you know, when it snows or rains, people forget how to drive. And I get you're trying to be cautious. I get that. But some of you out there, just don't, just stay home <laughs> if there's going to be any precipitation falling from the sky. But, no, I'm like, man, this is the second time of the three All-Star games that I've covered that it snowed. But besides that, it was a great weekend. I think the greatness about it was that the downtown area for Indianapolis is really small. Mm-hmm. So you have so many different events and activations going on, put on by the NBA or certain brands. Um, so that was great because you can walk around and just kind of bounce from back and forth, yeah. whether it's at the convention center, where a lot of the NBA activations were, or Lucas Oil Stadium that was right there, or even Gamebridge Fieldhouse the 73rd all-star game was played so it was a fun time it was very cold it was like chicago basically and i thought i was going to get a break but it wasn't <laughs> nope. so but it was fun because it's a it's a great environment for families and that was a cool thing about all-star weekends when you see it every single time if you've attended that you'll see dads with their daughters mm-hmm. or their sons or mothers with their sons or their daughters just being able to just have fun and see their favorite players and have those kids interact with those favorite players. So it's always a great time. It kind of takes me back to childhood and just like, man, that's pretty, I wish I could be that like seven year old. Right. right That would be so cool to see all those players for a kid that looks up to him, which is why the all-star game is so important. It's for the fans. It is. It's for those young kids that come out, but players aren't necessarily taking it as serious Mm -hmm. as they have in the past or people would like them to. I'm one of those people. I mean, I didn't really expect a competitive game at all because that's the trend we've seen over the last couple of years. Like, I don't know why people thought it was going to turn around this year. Um, Do you think all of the people you were talking to, all of the media members they were th- that were there, like, do they kind of feel like ever something needs to change significantly or, oh, like, yeah. get rid of the game altogether? No Is doubt. there even no a doubt. point of playing it? You, you know what? I think for a lot of the media members that I've spoken with and that even I expressed my thoughts on what we could see on Sunday for the All-Star game was a little bit of hope of, like, maybe, maybe we can get a competitive game because you're looking at Anthony Edwards being mm-hmm. on the West squad, right, and knowing that he's a, one of the best competitors, young competitors, that we have in the NBA. You have that. You have Giannis that's going to play hard on the court. You yep. have Tyrese Halliburton, who he said was like somebody told him he was like prom, prom king with that weekend <laughs> and him playing for the Pacers and the games being in Indianapolis, that you would have thought that he would have a little extra drive and a little you know motivation and let the competitive fire burn. But it, it was the exact opposite. Yeah. So even during the game and after the game, 
I'm speaking with media members and they're just shaking their head, just like, yeah, this is, we're wasting our time. Like, yeah. wh why do they, do they want to be out here? Like, yeah. they don't care. So, like, that's the, the thing that was, for me, disappointing about the entire weekend was you have a game where, again, families, kids looking up to their, their idols, their role models, and wanting to see them perform at a level that they're accustomed to seeing them when they turn on their television. Like, I want to see Anthony Edwards, you know, step back three-pointers or not shooting threes dunks, with his left like hand. Exactly, right? right? You know, it's just like, all right, well, maybe if Anthony Edwards doesn't care, why should I care? Yeah. And I'm not trying to take it to that level, but you got to start thinking about that because it's a, it's a ripple effect and really a domino effect of what we saw and what kids are seeing where mm -hmm. they're not playing hard, so why should I play hard? I just remember the all-star games of, and I, I'm gonna date myself, but this is what it is. You know, I'm an 80s baby. I grew up in the 80s, I grew up in the 90s. I remember those games, all-star weekend with Michael Jordan, East versus West, those guys going after each other, Clyde versus Michael Jordan, right? Shaquille mm -hmm. O'Neal going up against Patrick Ewing, like those type of battles were always prevalent and you would see them every single year, but this new wave and new age of just, oh, we made the all-star game. I don't want to get hurt. Of course you don't want to get yeah. hurt, but still, I think you have a better percentage of getting hurt if you're just going out there lackadaisical and not playing hard, right? right? So everybody out there that's on the court understands that I'm not going to do anything maliciously to get you hurt, but we're going to compete. And at the end of the day, that's what it should be, and we didn't get that. But to sum up the entire weekend, it was phenomenal. It was a great weekend, so not to put a black eye on the entire <laughs> weekend. It was a lot of work. It was fun. I was able to get some things done with Jalen Brunson of the New York Knicks, mm -hmm. so first-time All-Star, and be able to catch back up with him. I covered him when he was at Stevenson High School. A friend of yours. Yeah, and, you know, yeah. nice um, Cam's out yeah. there dapping up yeah. Jalen Brunson. He, we have a video of yeah, that. That's pretty yeah. cool. I spoke they with go Anthony back. Davis of the Lakers. Yeah. You know, covered him in high school as well. And throughout his NBA career. So it was great to speak to those guys and catch up a little bit and just see how they've grown mm -hmm. as men, right? And so I was talking to, to Jalen's mom, All-Star Saturday night, and I'm like, yeah, this is the first time that I've seen Jalen since he's been married. And I'm like, just Jalen's yeah. married now. Like, time is moving you on. You remember him right, as, exactly. like, the young high school player that yeah. you covered forever and, yeah, like, his right. basketball career watching mm -hmm. that grow, but yeah. him off the court also growing it's a like, ton. What's going on? Did you have a chance to rekindle uh, your uh, talk with LeBron that you had at the <laughs> – <laughs> it, it was playing a small part in my head after the uh, 73rd All-Star game on Sunday that maybe I should bring this up. I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to embarrass it because you're going to have that split second because these guys are going to be yeah. off and, hey, I don't have time to really sit and talk right now. I just gave my media availability and now you're trying to have me reminisce on something that happened 20 years ago, even though yeah. LeBron has a great mind and it feels like he doesn't forget anything. He would probably remember. Well, he if, did remember you that one time. Well, if he remembered me, then, you know, it was a situation where, hey, I'm going to go ahead and retire and I'll uh, <laughs> be a part of a clutch sports group or something like that or LeBron James <laughs> in a circle or something. But no, it was, it, it was really fun being there that weekend and just, you get a better appreciation of how elite and special these guys are mm -hmm. because physically when you see them, they are really intimidating. Like if you see a Giannis on the court and seeing how he's move, how he moves, it's intimidating. I saw Victor Wembanyama oh. in person. How tall is and he in person? Like taller was, than you was, expected? It was frightening, but not frightening to the point where you think it's just like, oh, it's a horror movie. But you have never seen someone that tall with that much length and moving the way that he does. So that's the thing with him is moving how he it does at that. And size. to that to that point, All Star Saturday night before the skills competition, 
Uh, my producer and I are in the back tunnel, so we're walking around getting some footage and everything like that. And shout out to the NBA because we had great access. It was phenomenal. Thank you so much for that. Um, but we're in the back tunnel, and we're by the players' locker room. And so we're waiting for a couple of guys to come out. And so I'm in my phone for a second. I move my head up out of my phone, and out comes Victor Wembanyama. He has to duck down underneath <laughs> so he doesn't under. crack his head open. So, you know, he has a severed head or something like that before his competition. But he has to duck down to get underneath the little ledge to get it through the doorway. And he's walking out. He's kind of like shaking his arms, shaking his legs a little bit. And he starts to walk. Then all of a sudden, he just takes off running. And it was something out of like, like an M. Night Shyamalan movie <laughs> where it's some type of alien movement. And I'm just like, there is no way. No way you can game plan for someone no. that size and that speed. But he's, he takes off on a full sprint down the tunnel just to get himself warm. Yeah. Up. And I'm like, yep, that is why I am a sports TV host, because <laughs> I could not be on the court with Victor Wembanyama. And if you think you can be on the court with him, you're lying to yourself. When you see him in person, it's just a different level, and it's a different breed of athlete now. I, I'm excited for a couple, like two years from now. Give him two years yeah. and what he's going to be able to do. Yeah. Put on some weight, get yeah. bulked up a little bit. Because remember be Giannis, Giannis's first season in the NBA, like he was not good at all, yeah. and he was tiny and scrawny. Pictures of Giannis from his first year to now, it's like a different person. His yeah. his body size, his frame, yeah. everything. It's like looking at a picture of a number two pencil, and then the after picture <laughs> being like you know Arnold Schwarzenegger or something. Yes, like that. It's just yes. like two totally different so, people. Women Yana's going to change yeah. like physically over the next couple of seasons. And then he's going to be even scarier. Yeah, like yeah. that's going to be crazy. Um, what I, I was keeping an eye on it from Cabo the weekend. And you know, it's hard to in between drinking. I was going to say, you got to get into the Cabo action now. How was Cabo for you? Now I was freezing my butt off, having a good time covering all-star weekend, but I was not yeah. freezing my butt off. <laughs> I was doing fantastic. I was thriving. Okay. Uh, it was warm in Cabo. It was fun. We went out in a boat, saw a bunch of whales, nice. did some scuba diving. Um, I, I told you guys earlier, I almost got in a fight in one of the bars downtown oh, Cabo. Oh, yeah. okay. Some so. girl didn't appreciate that I was there. She didn't know me. Wait a minute. You got haters all the way in Mexico I do. that want to square? Whoa. Yeah. And I was ready to, th to throw some hands. If she had swung at me, I would have immediately, like, oh, not even man. flinched. So, Randy and Kev, you know we got that text in our Better Angle group text. You know, hey, guys, I'm in a Mexican jail right now. <laughs> I'm I not going to make it to the show. Some help pesos. Me. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. <laughs> that, I, that did go through my mind. Like, you just can't end up in Mexican prison tonight. Yeah, you, I would have missed my flight home the next day. You don't want to end up in anybody's prison, no. but especially international prison. Or no. Anything. no, don't I do it. I have spent a night it. in prison. Really? These two, look at their faces. Well, well, we have time, Kate, so why not? Go ahead. This is story time with I, Kate. I spent a night in jail in college. I was in with another girl. Her name was Brittany. She was my cellmate. She was in for assault, and I was terrified for my life. <laughs> I was in for public intoxication oh, okay. <laughs> i got picked up by the cops um wow. i was a what freshman was, in college what was it like just friday night out Saturday friday night i out? was walking back into my dorm building i was in my door i got arrested in my dorm the front lobby of my dorm wow what, i know spectators around did it kind of get to that point where everybody's like oh my god is yeah I was with my, so my, my, the guy I was dating at the time, we were out with his brother who was older and he was like, you guys are, you've had too much time for you guys to go home. So we okay. went home and we're walking into the lobby and the cops just coming behind us, like basically followed us home. And then we both got arrested. Sounds like a setup to me. Sounds like a right? setup to me. I think it was. So I spent the night in jail 
he got out. His brother bailed him out and left me in there. Oh, no. No, yeah. we, we, we got to give that. I don't want to do it. I don't want to blow his spot up on air and give out his real name. But we got to talk about this off air. Right? And get that name. Because how dare you? That's cold-blooded, man. Kevin Lafka, I know you ain't never done nothing like that, man. Come on. Oh, come on, man. You, you <laughs> Don't put that on me. I would never do something like that. That was, yeah. So I had to walk. That was, I had to walk a shame home from jail in the morning. Ooh, yeah. That's, that's, that's rough. That's, that's, that's the ultimate walk of shame. Right? Jail? Ooh. Man. It was, um, I, I got breakfast. <laughs> I got but breakfast. What, what was the breakfast, though? Because I, I know, know. It, don't I, make it seem like you got croissants with, like, you know, <laughs> sausage links and bacon and all that stuff. I, I refused breakfast. I was too pissed. I, they slid it through, like, legit the, the sliding little thing in the door. And I'm like, I don't want that. Are you get that out of here? Did you smack it off? <laughs> was it, was it bread and water? Off? What was it? Uh, I, I don't remember. It was, I, I she didn't smacked even the look truck, at it. Did you, did you she, get one phone call? I did, and I called my brother, who lived in Texas at the time, which was super smart of me. Like, what is he going to do? What's he going to do in Texas? Did any friends, like, try and come to the police station and no one put some knew bail that money I was together in just there. to get you out? Oh, so no one saw you get arrested? No, none of my friends knew. So the next oh. morning, they're like, where is Kate? And then they went to my boyfriend's, and he's like, I thought she was home with you guys oh yeah, and you, so you, then you, everyone is like you are you suck you yeah suck. we broke up yeah we you broke suck up. you're a terrible person and if you're in a relationship with that person get out right now because <laughs> they'll leave you in jail <laughs> yeah and then lie about your whereabouts so it was it was quite the uh evening so that's why you know in mexico i yeah. panicked a little i'm like i probably shouldn't throw hands at this girl because flashback? yeah I, I did have some <laughs> flashbacks um but it was great i was trying to keep an eye on the all-star weekend yeah well, I'm in the midst of all of this stuff. So I thought my takeaways from All-Star with this is just like, you know, seeing things on Twitter because I didn't have time to sit and stop and watch. Um, LED court was awesome. It was cool, especially cooler in person, too. Really? Really, really nice. Because it looked yeah. really cool on TV Yeah, the, and, or and, clips I saw. And here's the thing. This is what I was worried about with the LED court. I'm like, okay, as a agent or team owner or GM or just if I'm the player, I'm concerned about this because it's glass. Can it function like an actual yeah. basketball court? I but heard people were slipping on it a lot. I didn't see too much no? slipping. I heard more gym shoe squeaking, too, which kind of opened my eyes. Like, oh, okay, this is performing like a basketball court. So that was impressive. Yeah. For sure. Um, th that was very cool. Stefan Sabrina was awesome. Yeah. And then everything else was kind of meh, right? Two thumbs down. Yeah. Dunk contest, two thumbs down. Yeah. All-star game. Five thumbs down. If I and had more even hands. like the skills competition, I know that like the Pacers players took it seriously because they're yeah. in front of their home fans. Like you would expect that. Cleveland during that All Star game, I, I went to that one, mm -hmm. and the the Cavs were younger players. Garland was doing it. Yeah. I think Mobley or yeah, yeah, Mobley they took was it in, seriously. Yeah. Yeah. Like that was really fun. Um, but the other teams in yeah, the skills like, competition, you know, like Anthony Edwards, he didn't take it picks, seriously. Yeah, first round, first picks, yeah. Yeah, overall draft uh, picks. Scotty Barnes didn't. Like, it was, it was just. Because mm. during, during the media availability, Anthony Edwards, um, in his interview on NBA TV, was saying that, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to shoot left-handed in the All-Star yeah. game. Yeah. you know, yeah. if you know Anthony Edwards' personalities, like, you know, but did he doesn't you take <laughs> himself seriously, he's joking around, like, oh, okay, and we were even joking about that as media members, like, did you hear what Anthony Edwards said? Cam, hold on to okay, what Anthony right, Edwards gotcha, said, gotcha. we got to go to break, we're going to do a little bit more NBA on the other side, and check in on some college basketball. Well, stick with us here on The Better Angle. This is The Better Angle with Kay Constable and Cameron Smith on the BetQL Network, presented by BetMGM. 
So if you were listening to that last segment, you learned exactly what not to do in college. <laughs> We've all learned our lessons here every once in a while. You know, we uh, like to share life advice on this show. Man, we learned that Kate <laughs> is a thug. She probably got thug life tatted on her somewhere. Man. Yeah, uh, I do. I do. Um, I have my cell number tatted on me. That's what uh, I walked away with. <laughs> in fact, I got the tat inside. It's a, it's a jail tat. Jail, jail house tat. <laughs> Well, that good thing you didn't be, uh, go to jail wonderful. in Mexico. No. Right? It's a great thing that you are here in studio I'm glad with to us, be back. It feels good. you made good. the right decision and you avoided that situation. I did. I, in, I learned my Mexico, lesson. So that's great. I learned my lesson. Um, when we were going to break, we were talking about Anthony Edwards. Yeah. He's just a goofy guy. He mm -hmm. was saying that he wanted to, you know, shoot everything left-handed yeah. in the All-Star game. I mean, Anthony, it's your first All-Star game. Second. Second. Oh, that's true. So he was second. last year. Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. So I guess that's a little different. But, it, it's but his also first one when he was voted in. Exactly. Last year was yes. he was a reserve. Yep. yep. So you want him to like? I don't know. I would want to play hard. When his peers and everyone else is kind of doing the the, um, you know, just giving it the runaround. I right. guess he kind of does it too. But well, I had Anthony Edwards to not only score thirty or more points in the All Star game. I picked him to be All Star Game MVP. That's how that's how confident I was that he was going to take this opportunity mm -hmm. and build off of what we've seen last year, voted in as an All Star reserve, um, an injury replacement basically, went to the playoffs, destroyed the Denver Nuggets. Even though they lost that series, yeah. they had a great run in that that series against the Nuggets in the first round. Saw him with Team USA this past summer in the World Championships, and then we saw him just really torch the league and be in the consideration for NBA MVP. So I'm like, all right, Ant-Man is going to use this as an opportunity to really put his name in bigger lights. And when we heard that he was going to, and he said that he was going to shoot left-handed in the game, like, all right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a good one, Anthony. You're a funny guy. But then All-Star Saturday night then happened, he and he's in the skills competition, <laughs> and he's shooting threes from the left corner with his left hand and hitting the side of the backboard. You're like, are hmm. you serious? So, like, that to your point, of the opportunity there for those younger guys to take advantage of it, but they just throw it away yeah. by being just careless with that platform and with that right. stage. And it's disappointing. It really is. So hopefully something changes next year. It was funny. His points prop went from 17 and a half for that game. After he had that interview where he said he was going to shoot left-handed, dropped to 12 and a half. Yeah. It makes sense. It, it does. Makes sense. It definitely makes sense. But, like, that's wild. That's and, wild. And that's what I was trying to make sense in my head. Like, hey, if I'm picking Anthony Edwards to be All-Star Game MVP, he has to score at least 30 yeah. points. At least. you know. I, maybe I mean, I think that's a good bet. Yeah. Based on your thought process through all of that. It makes complete sense. He just kind of. Trending into that game, too, against the Portland Trailblazers. He had a 41-point yeah. game, a 34-point game. I'm like, Anthony, why are you doing this? Don't don't, don't be that guy. And he was that guy. He was so, that guy. Yeah, now we learned a lesson. So now we can't take him serious when it nope. comes to all-star games. But take him serious maybe when it comes to actual NBA games. Yeah. And maybe not last night. No, not last night. The Bucks finally the Bucks. got yeah. a, a much-needed win. Yeah. Minnesota's still atop of the Western Conference, but they are now tied with OKC. Mm -hmm. So they share the top spot. Clippers one and a half games back along with the Nuggets. Uh, what do you make of, first of all, Minnesota being a true contender when it comes to winning the West because they have yeah. been so good this regular season. Their defense is number one. Yep. Their offense, that worries me a little bit at times because they can go through scoring droughts. Yeah. My only wonder is, are they maybe a year too early? 
is there a little bit more maturity that needs to happen, especially kind of after seeing what happened in the All-Star game? Right, like, right. I think Minnesota needs still has another year before they're before they win the West. Yeah, uh, and and I agree with you. And it's weird to say this because when you think of Rudy Gobert, who has playoff experience, mm -hmm. and Carl Anthony Towns, with the amount of years he's been, Mike Conley, Mike Conley, right, just signed a two-year extension with Minnesota to stay there to be their point guard and just everybody within their rotation, they, they have a good amount, decent amount of experience, playoff experience on this team, but they haven't really truly proven themselves mm -hmm. as a team. And not to say that OKC has, right? They're really in an e even tougher position when it comes to um, playoff experience. They have that veteran leadership when it comes to getting a guy like Gordon Hayward in. That's going to help yes. them out big time. We know that Shea Gilgis-Alexander, who is now, I switched from Anthony Edwards early in the season, from NBA MVP to now Shea Gilgis-Alexander. I think he's going to be NBA MVP. But you have a true superstar on your team that it doesn't matter what happens in the game in terms of if it's a blowout or if it's a tight game, you know that Shea Gilgis-Alexander is going to be a guy that's going to get his numbers one, but also make the necessary plays on both ends mm -hmm. to help his team win. You, you can't say that too much about Anthony Edwards no. because not only is Shea Gilgis-Alexander right behind Luka Doncic in terms of points per game in the league, but he leads the league in steals per game at 2.2. So when you have a team that is entering this situation in this final stretch run of the NBA regular season, that wants to finish number one. I think they need this to help their confidence going into the playoffs. That one seed is definitely for OKC, and I believe that they will be the team that is in that number one spot when it's all said and done out of the West. I can't see Minnesota being their team. I think they kind of take the foot off the gas pedal a little bit, especially mm -hmm. in those final uh, games, possibly depending on what the standings look like. If they're in within striking distance, I would hope that they would stay competitive right. in that final maybe week of the season, which I see this, this race coming down to. But... The West is all OKC for me. I think it's between them. I think it's also the Los Angeles Clippers. I can't see Minnesota finishing top two. I think they will finish third, but definitely OKC one. In the regular season? Yeah. Okay. Um, just wanted to clarify that. Timberwolves play tonight again. So back to back okay. against the Nets. They're eight and a half point favorites at home. Do you play the Wolves coming off of a loss? They're, they've been at home for both these games, didn't have to travel. It isn't a back-to-back -back for Brooklyn, though. Right. But Brooklyn's lost four of their last five, and they are just fired Jacques Vaughn, their head yeah. coach. There's there's nothing going on right now with the Nets. It's one of those glorified scrimmages on deck, baby. So uh -oh. go ahead and take the T-Wolves on the spread, eight and a half, way too low. All right, let's do Bump it. Bump it up to ten and a half or something like that. It has to be in double digits with that spread because Brooklyn just has too many issues. Yeah. Way too many issues. And if you think about and read the reports of the whole situation with Jacques Vaughn and certain players – being upset that Jock Vaughn said he was going to have the offense run through Ben Simmons. And if I'm on that team and I hear that, I'm like, this yeah, dude is what? barely here. Like, yeah, why are you trying to run the offense through him? Like, recently. And talking about Anthony Edwards and him not caring about all-star stuff, like, it doesn't, <laughs> doesn't feel like Ben Simmons actually cares about real games. He's never here. So yeah. why would you want to run the offense through him? And if I'm Mikael Bridges, I take it as disrespect because not only am I the Iron Man in the NBA, it's rare that he misses games. He's always playing hurt and always producing at a high level. But why say you want to run the offense through Ben Simmons? It should be through me. So you have a new coach in and Kevin Ollie. And if you listen to some of his recent uh, press conferences and his uh, media availabilities, he's like, look, you have to earn everything on this team. Yeah. So that's going to rub some people the wrong way on that team that, you know, we're getting a, getting away with some things with Jock Vaughn. Now they have a new head coach, a new system, a new role. It's too many question marks for Brooklyn in this one. So they are not going to be able to cover that spread as eight and a half point dogs. 
Minnesota for sure, especially bouncing back from the loss against Milwaukee last night. Done. I'm taking that. Let's do it. Um, okay, so Minnesota lost last night to the Bucks, who Doc Rivers kind of spent the whole all-star break, it seemed, making a little bit making excuses, kind of throwing his team under yeah. the bus. But also, I understand what he's trying to say. Um, do you have any faith that this Bucks team is going to be able to turn it around? I mean, they're, we say this is the second half of the season. Right. There's 26 games left. We are way past the halfway mark of the year. Right. So they got to turn it around quickly if they want to. They have to. They have no choice. Yeah. Third in the East right now. Which is crazy that yeah. they're still third. It's. And I mean, the East has been decimated a little bit by injuries with Joel right. Embiid out in Philly. Uh, the Heat not playing all that great early on. That's kind of a Heat's MO, though. So right. we expect and them to turn it on at some know, point. Like as, as long yeah. as they're in the top six. What was with that play last night, fine. by the way? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was that was massive. It was almost like some WWE stuff last yeah. night. So um, just letting you know that, uh, again, we're in the stretch run of the <laughs> right. NBA regular season. So uh, the testosterone, the <laughs> energy, going. just the tiredness of seeing these guys now. Yeah. Um, I had to leave my family. I had a great time with my family right. during the break. I'm, back I'm on missing the road. them. I'm back on the road. And. Now you're trying to be a little too physical with me. All right, now we got to take it there. But I think Miami will be just fine as long as they're in the playoffs. They don't care who they match up with because they know when they get you in Miami, it's a different situation. But Milwaukee, when you look at their remaining strength of schedule, it's the fourth toughest mm. in the league. You got 25 games to turn around. And congratulations, you beat one of the best teams in the NBA, not only record-wise, but also personnel-wise in the Minnesota Timberwolves on the road. That was big for you guys. Can you be consistent? And that's my issue with Milwaukee, right. the lack of consistency. And I know before they fired Adrian Griffin and he finished his tenure as head coach in Milwaukee, the team was 30 and 13, but they had some bad losses. And some of those wins could have easily been losses. They barely escaped in that thing. And Doc Rivers, who's now four and eight as head coach for the Bucks, it's almost the same thing, right? They, they have issues second half and really finishing games. Mm -hmm. And that's what's been their issue consistently throughout this season. They've improved defensively under Doc Rivers. They went from one of the worst defensive rated teams under Adrian Griffin to now around middle of the pack NBA-wise in terms of deficient rating. Yep. But offensively, that, that thing has to turn around. Like Giannis can't do everything for this group. Maybe Damian Lillard coming off of what we saw All-Star Weekend, winning the three-point shootout, winning All-Star Game MVP, knocking down threes from half court. Maybe that's the energy that he needs to help out his offense and his poor shooting numbers with Milwaukee. But if you're going to tell me that this team has 25 games to turn around, I would tell you, like we said in our previous episode when Kate and I was here talking about the movie Taken, good luck. Because it's, <laughs> it's not happening in the East. Even though they are third in the Eastern Conference, they are not a serious threat in this East. We are looking at the Boston Celtics, mm -hmm. who have their feet on the table, their hands behind their head, just relax, like, yep, we don't have to worry about anything. We're good to go. Because they've been consistent. The Cleveland Cavaliers are another team yeah. that has really been consistent. And even though Jared Allen said that the lights got too bright for them in the playoffs against the Knicks last year, They've learned. They're not going to make that yeah, same exactly. mistake They've again. They've learned from those failures. The New York Knicks, who are hungry and will be even stronger when they get Julius Randle back and OG Ananobi. They're not worried about the Milwaukee Bucks. So the Bucks are a team that, if they do turn around, it's going to have to happen before we get to mid-March. If they do not turn around by that point and they're still middling around and flip-flopping back and forth through the win-loss column, this team will probably find themselves in like a 3-6 matchup, and it could be against the Knicks. Which is not a spot that they want yeah, to be in. they do not want that. At all. They do not want that. At so, yeah. all.
Uh, who's going to be drafted first overall? Is it Caleb Williams? Will there be some trades made? We're going to discuss that on the other side. Stick with us. This is The Better Angle on the Beck Hill Network. Coming up, more live sweats and winning bets with a better angle on the BetQL Network, presented by BetMGM. Saturdays just got a whole lot better with BetQL. It's Countdown 2 with DC's Grant Paulson. I mean, the Gardner Minshew story is fun, and the mustache is cute, and the tight pants are cool and all that stuff. The line movement here actually makes sense. And Kansas City's Alex Gold. I had Jalen Hurts 10-1 to 1 before the season started. I still feel pretty good about that. To me, we haven't seen the best of the Eagles or the best of Jalen Hurts yet. They get you set for all of the weekend sports betting action. And that's where I'm going to attack this game, Grant, is I actually like the over now that it's gone down. And they tell you how they really feel they've never watched the nfl trade deadline before and seen that it's a big fat juicy nothing burger with some cheese bacon ketchup and mustard countdown two is the saturday football show you don't want to miss 10 a.m to noon eastern on cbs sports radio watch on youtube at odyssey sports or listen anytime on the go with the free odyssey app presented by betmgm Sports bettors, wrap up your day with BetMGM tonight. Presented by BetMGM. Starring Ryan Horvath, Trista Crick, and Nick Ashew on a BetQL network. Like a lot of these teams are battle-tested, but, you know, like Kentucky. I considered a couple weeks ago playing some Kentucky futures. Because of what I said, man, like they could shoot the rock. Shepard's shooting 52% from himself. They could get to the rim. They hit their free throws, but they just don't defend anybody. And if I'm placing a future in college hoops, like who the hell knows? I mean, a couple years ago, we saw St. Peter's make a run. The Fighting Sister Jeans made a run. You just never really know. I usually look at numbers on these mid-major schools where they have six or seven, four or five-year players. You know, like uh, Florida Atlantic. These teams that just beat up on each other in the SEC, they have so much talent, but I just have no idea. BetMGM tonight, 7 to 11 Eastern, on America's home for wagertainment, the BetQL Network, presented by the king of sportsbooks, BetMGM. Download the BetMGM app today. Please gamble responsibly. Always live on the free Odyssey app. Sports bettors, wrap up your day with BetMGM tonight. Presented by BetMGM. Starring Ryan Horvath, Trista Crick, and Nick Ashew on a BetQL network. I would be shocked if they did spend money at the wide receiver position, especially how loaded and how deep this draft is. They could get some value later on in these rounds, I think. Like a real stud to pair with Rasheed Rice. 
Kelsey, we know, is coming back. They're able to run the ball. Like, I, I think, if anything, maybe uh, Pacheco's workload only goes up. Maybe he's used more uh, in the receiving game. And then you're able to pay these guys on the defensive side of the ball. Because look at what they've done the last two years. They traded Tyreek Hill, a top five wide receiver in this league, one of the more electric wide receivers, I would say, in NFL history as far as a downfield yeah. threat. And they've won two straight Super Bowls. BetMGM tonight, 7 to 11 Eastern, on America's home for wagertainment, the BetQL Network, presented by the king of sportsbooks, BetMGM. Download the BetMGM app today. Please gamble responsibly. Always live on the free Odyssey app. Start your day with a daily tip presented by BetMGM featuring Michael Jenkins and Chelsea Messenger on the BetQL Network. Chad Ochocinco said, quote, a little birdie told him Russell uh, Wilson will join the Steelers. So this is us, you know, repeating the rumor. Do you think he would succeed in Pittsburgh? I think Justin Fields with the Steelers or the Falcons would be a much better fit because he has some weapons around him, particularly in Atlanta. But also, I think he still has has a ceiling i don't think he's hit the ceiling yet he's slowly gotten better it's been three years but also he's played on some bad bears teams so i actually like justin fields better just because of the potential whereas i feel like with russell wilson he just kind of topped out the daily tip weekday morning 6 to 9 a.m eastern on america's home for wagertainment the betql network presented by the king of sportsbooks betmgm download the betmgm app today always live on the free odyssey app please gamble responsibly It's time to stop chasing the afternoon and find the winning angle. From Vegas to your living room, from props to trends, this is The Better Angle, presented by BetMGM on the BetQL Network. Your hosts, Kate Constable and Cameron Smith. Doing a quick score check around college basketball right now. I hope you listen to us early on in the show and bet the over in Alabama and Kentucky Dang. because it is 46-31 with four minutes to go in the first half. That totals up to like 190-some. Maybe they, maybe the players heard this before the show. I think they might have. I, I, I might have got them if, going a little if, bit. If you want to get drafted, like this is this is the game because nobody's playing defense. <laughs> right. and you can show your offensive repertoire. But, yeah, this this is an exciting game early on. It is. It is. Um, North Carolina, Virginia, kind of going how we thought it was a little bit in terms yeah. of lower scoring. Virginia has 16 points in the first mm, half, Cam. Mm, mm, That's mm, terrible. It's not going to cut it. Not going to cut it. I, t- I told you this could look Oof. very Virginia Tech-ish for Cavalier fans. That is you not good. You could be looking at a 30-plus blowout. Not good. Tony Bennett can't be happy, uh, pleased with how his team I mean, the, is playing. The Bennett family, I mean, Dick Bennett, his dad, legendary coach, right? Yeah. I mean, was Wisconsin Green Bay, and then he went to Wisconsin. I think they scored when he took Wisconsin to the Final Four. I think they had like 22 or 23 points at half, a very low-scoring wow. first half. and. Yeah, I mean, the Bennett's known for defense, not offense. Yeah, yeah. but you still have to have. I I'm mean, with you. Reese Beekman have have is like 16. the only guy that you can say, hey, go get me a bucket. And even then, like, not one of the upper echelons of go get a bucket players. Five of 30 from the floor as a team. Yeah. 16%. <laughs> Ooh, yikes, that's so oh, bad. six from three. That is so bad. That's not so good. Not going to help out. Uh, Cam, another thing that is not good if you're a Duke fan, which you are oh, a Duke fan. Oh, what happened Kyle now? Filipowski. <laughs> Gets injured, sprains his ankle after Wake Forest beats Duke, storms the court, 
someone steps on his ankle, somehow wow. he he rolls it, and he has to be carried off the court. Wow, that's that's awful. Let me, let me look at this. That Hold is on. awful. And it. this is not the first court storming incident that we've had this season. Caitlin Clark was run into. I know there's been a couple other that I can't think of off the top of my head. But at some point, oh man, we've got to figure out he's in how pain. to protect the players in these because court storming is fun like that's part of college basketball it's part of you know the being a student there but you have a bunch of drunk kids who are exactly. rushing the court after that i would imagine almost want to hurt opposing players like they don't have any they're not thinking like let me do this yep. safely they're thinking those are our opponents it's duke we just beat you blah 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 and now Kyle Filipowski could be, I mean, I'm just speculating, but yeah. he could be out a couple games for the rest of the regular season. Does it follow him into postseason? Yep. That that sucks. And that's a big blow when we talked about how tight the standings are in the ACC, yes. right? I mean, they have a date with North Carolina, and we don't want to disrespect the previous matchups that Duke will have before that game. But still, in this stretch run of the ACC conference, you want to have all of your players available, especially your stars like Kyle Filipowski. And now you're looking at a team at Duke that has four games left, right? Yeah. You're going to be back home against Louisville and Virginia. Then you got to go on the road against NC State and finish it off against North Carolina. That team looks different without Kyle Filipowski. Way now different. everyone else, Jeremy Roach, um, you're looking at the freshman and Caleb Love and Jared McCain, like Tyrese Proctor. Everybody else moves up on the scouting uh -huh. report. And that light hits different when you're not that first option on the scouting report. If you are that first option, then you're going to be in for a hell of a night because now that defense is focused in on everything that you do well. If you don't have a counter to it, then good luck. But you got to find some kind of, I don't know, security or barricade type of thing yeah. to put up to deter fans. I mean, this is, this is something that clearly has to be flushed out and a thought-out idea by the NCAA. Mm -hmm to prevent court storming. But to your point, and before you said it, I was going to mention this, maybe there is some fan out there yeah. that sees that player on that court, and we just beat you. And I'm, you know, and few Duke beers a, in. A very polarizing in. team, exactly, too. Exactly, for sure. And I'm not in my right mind. And right. We, we, we've all had a, a drink or two before, and you start to feel <laughs> yes, a little superhuman. That, no <laughs> <laughs> that nothing can hurt me. So if I'm running full speed and I see Kyle Filipowski right there, I might kind of like turn my angle just, just a little him bit. A little. And just nudge And just stomp a little check. harder. Yeah, just give him a little body check really quickly because I think I'm, I'm, I'm the Hulk now. Yeah. I've had a few drinks. So that's the scary situation that this is in. And more importantly, hopefully it's nothing serious with Filipowski, but you're messing with his money mm -hmm. because that's a multi-million dollar athlete right there. This guy has plans of coming out of, the, of college basketball and being a first round pick. So God forbid it's something worse than just a, a, a minor a ankle tweak. sprain. But if it's, Hey, a broken bone in his foot. If, if he has to have surgery. A torn meniscus off of the contact. Mm. I mean, like we said with Caitlin Clark, that situation could have been a lot worse yeah. than what it looked like. So it, it's, it's dangerous, and the court storming has to stop. And this is uh, this was what the other storming that I was thinking about but couldn't remember is LSU, Kentucky. LSU was just fined $100,000 for their storming two nights ago when they beat Kentucky. Yeah. yeah. So I, it's something, and it's hard. Like, how do you stop a student body like that, that yeah. many fans? It's just the, the, the dangers of that. And let's let's just be honest about this. We, we live in a country that, you know, we've seen – Things escalate in terms of the terms of violence. Yeah, and what you've seen it's before. scary. You don't know who has what on them. Yeah, right. they may go through 
metal de detectors or security things like that but you just never know that's a very and good point i'm not trying to bring light to this and i don't want this to happen but if a player gets seriously hurt in terms of someone bringing a weapon onto that court mm -hmm. you got to answer for that yeah and that's a serious and scary situation and i'm thinking about this as now as a parent because if that's my kid out there and you do something to my kid well uh -oh. i'm going to jail I'm going to tell you that right now. I'm going to jail yeah. because it's going to take a few people to get me off of you for what you did to my kid. So right. those are the dangers and the situations that you try to prevent with this court storming stuff. And I'm like, I just keep scrolling through Twitter and looking at these videos. He got, he got smoked. Yeah, yeah. Like he got run over. And he was in serious pain, too. Yes. Exactly. Yes. So, yeah. John Shire's reaction when he saw yeah. him. I mean, it was it was not, not good. good. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, if I'm John Shire, I'm pissed. Because I'm sure Shire has experienced court storming before. Yeah. When he played at Duke, and Duke may have lost, and now you got fans running onto the court. He's had his own experiences of people targeting him, possibly, right, right. and trying to run into him. So Yeah, forget the loss. Yeah. Like, that's one thing. But right. your, your star player gets injured with four games left in the regular season, the NCAA tournament just around the corner. Yeah. Like, oh, that is just not – the NCAA needs to figure out some way to – kind of combat that. Randy, what you got for Seth, us? Seth Davis tweeted out, this is 51 minutes ago, uh, Kyle Filipowski had a collision with a fan during the court storm and had to be hobbled off and had hobbled off the court. Terrible with all capitals. Mm -hmm. Job by Wake Forest to protect the player. This is why court storms need to stop. Hope he's okay. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yep. Exactly. What, what is it going to take? Do we have to go to another level of somebody having a career-ending injury for court storming to stop? Do we have to have some type of violence to happen on the court before court storming can well, stop. Like, do it now. Right. Take do it now before right anyone now, gets before even gets more yeah. severely injured. But how do you do it? Like, do you have to put boards up? Do you have yeah. to, like, you can't just have security. And maybe you, maybe you can. Maybe you can double, triple your security, have them lined the the court right, right at the end. And hopefully it's like send, send the Red Rover game. Send over yeah, Red yeah, Rover. Yeah, you yeah. can't get through, right? Right, right That right, would be right. something, but. I don't know. They have to. They have to figure out an, a solution right. for this at some point because I mean, it can't continue. I know that there are countless number of students and fans in that arena, and you have countless cameras That's on true. those courts. So start identifying people. Yeah. And make people examples. Yeah. Like maybe this person has been expelled, and I, yeah, I'll take it that far. I, I don't care. Yeah. You should have thought better than running onto that court. Especially if there's something implemented where the NCAA says that you cannot do this. Well, you want to break the rule? Goodbye. Find another university to go to. Right, right. Um, we're talking to Adam Rittenberg, ESPN uh, senior college football writer on the other side of this. So this uh, next segment, we'll ask him about this. I mean, he doesn't – he's more of a college football guy, but yeah. he's in the weeds in, in college athletics. So maybe we'll get his uh, perspective on this. Uh, Cam, switching gears here a little – we do have the draft coming up, the NFL draft, mm -hmm. that is. Um, Our Lads is a website that does mock drafts and stuff. There's a ton of mock drafts out there. You can find them literally anywhere. Yeah. But this one has Jaden Daniels going number one and Caleb Williams down, like, fifth fifth on this. What do you think of that? I don't know. I haven't seen any other mock draft that has Caleb Williams at five. And Jaden Daniels going to Chicago, number one? Um, actually, now that I'm reading this, it is it's, it's just their top 32 players. Okay, okay. So not necessarily draft-wise, but I'll, still. That's 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 interesting. Um, unless they're just trying to 
get have uh, those opportunities to, to get the, the website out. <laughs> I, I, I can tell you dealing with our lads for years, they are like one of the most respected scouting services. Okay. Okay. Uh, NFL teams actually, I mean, I don't know if they still do because yeah. they have such huge departments now, but used to use their scouting services when they're getting close to the draft. I've seen okay. it firsthand and it, like people are very impressed by our lads. So this is like a this legit, is a big deal. this yeah. is a legit thing. Okay. Yeah. All yeah. right. Well, this is uh, what we got to bring Kevin Lapka on. Oh, Kev. I, I know Kevin. He's got has an opinion. Some thoughts on the NFL draft and <laughs> the Bears and what that looks like possibly. But Jay Daniels, number one overall or the best available option in the draft. I'm seeing some drafts where Caleb Williams is going number one. You got Jay Daniels going number two, possibly two. Maybe Washington if the Bears draft Caleb Williams. But Kevin Lapka, I've been, I've been seeing your, your, your posts on X. And you've been getting deep into this draft conversation, man. So what you got for me? I mean, is it not one of the most exciting stories, stories in sports? And maybe not exciting is the right word, but it's fascinating. It is a fascinating juncture that the Bears are involved in right now. And, you know, a lot of people are talking about, you know, the timing of this being now, right? You know, as the combine heats up, if the Bears meet with Caleb Williams and, you know, the first initial meeting goes really well, they may say, hey, this is, this is it. You know, we have to do more evaluations, but we'll trade Justin uh, or do what we're going to do. Or maybe they meet with Caleb and he rubs them the wrong way and whatever it may be and you go a different direction this is a really critical time but going into what we were talking about here with our lads I mean res as respected as they may be <laughs> he's not going number one overall Jaden Daniels I think is going to be a good player in this league but he's not going number one overall he's plus 3,000 on BetMGM to go number one overall for a reason and there's no scenario where the Chicago Bears take Jaden Daniels number one overall I, I, I couldn't tell you one scenario where the Bears end up with Jaden Daniels with the first overall pick it's Caleb Williams or bust I think the Bears obviously should stick with Fields and build a roster. I've been on this for a while, and I'm not going to go off of that. With that being said, Caleb Williams still is one of the more impressive prospects we've seen in the last five years, and Jaden Daniels has flaws to his games that concern teams, and it doesn't help when you saw the way the playoffs played out, and the main comp for Jaden Daniels is Lamar Jackson, and although GMs really shouldn't look at it this way, they're going to say, well, look at the guy in Lamar Jackson who lost, and look at his you know, player comp in Jaden Daniels for this draft. Is that a style... Is that style of quarterback conducive to winning in the NFL? Yeah. And then you have the comparisons between Mahomes and Caleb, which I don't think are fair in the first place. But what occurred in these NFL playoffs aren't going to help the case for Jaden Daniels to be taken higher and above Caleb Williams in this draft. So to me, that's outright crazy. Uh, I think the ultimate thing that I think the Bears will end up taking Caleb Williams number one overall. But I still think there is a possibility that the Bears aren't that team that are taking him number one overall. And they do make some sort of trade. And maybe it is for Jaden Daniels. But further down in a trade down or a Drake May in a trade down or keeping Justin. I think if you're not taking Caleb, you do keep Justin. Um, but anyone else but Caleb, number one, is, is just crazy to me. I'm looking at Marvin Harrison Jr., and I've said this time and time again. I do not care, people. I don't care if he is a wide receiver. The Bears can still take him at number one overall. No, they can't, Cam. If you are believing that Justin Fields is your guy and you're not moving away from Justin Fields, you can take Marvin Harrison Jr. number one overall because you have your quarterback. What's the majority of, number, of teams that have the number one overall pick? They're going the quarterback route. Yeah. The Bears don't need a quarterback. Go with Marvin Harrison Jr. or get into a situation when you work a deal with Washington where you move back to the number two overall pick. Washington gets number one. You also get some other things with that pick. Right. You're just not going to swap spots with Washington. Okay, you know, it's a done deal. No, you're going to have to give up something else. And maybe you can take the 
pressure off of yourself and maybe the controversy off of yourself and take Marvin Harrison Jr. second overall in that situation. So those two scenarios, but if they draft Marvin Harrison Jr. number one overall in my book, I wouldn't be controversial Cam, of the pick. I, there's no controversy for Cam, me. Cam, you know, there's been three in the history of the NFL draft. There's been three mm -hmm. times where a wide receiver was drafted number one overall. Uh, 1964, Dave Parks, San Francisco 49ers. You can see his bust in Canton right now. Yeah. Uh, Irving Fryer, who had a good career, Irving played 17 Fryer. seasons. Yeah. Patriots, 1984. And then just give me the damn ball, Keyshawn Johnson, Johnson, 1996. Yeah. Yeah. That's, a, that's the last time a wide receiver was drafted number one. But I don't, I don't see an issue with that. I honestly do not see an issue with a wide receiver going number one overall. If your team is set with your quarterback, if he is your guy, are you going to go with, what, an offensive lineman and leave Marvin Harrison Jr. out there for someone else to draft? Like, but I, wouldn't I can't you, do that. wouldn't you want to trade the number one pick because you can get a lot more back for it? Or is Marvin Harrison that, Jr. Yeah. enough to stay there? I would think that this Bears front office is smart enough to know that Marvin Harrison Jr. is our guy. Yeah. We would like to take him number one overall, but if we can get more by trading with a Washington or another team just to bounce back to second overall, third overall, fourth overall, whatever it is, if we know that Marvin Harrison Jr. We'll is going to be, be there. there, then, yeah, we'll make that deal. I get that. But if they're just like, you know what? We don't care if there have been three picks in NFL history where guys have been <laughs> drafted number be one overall fourth. that are receivers. This is the fourth. Keyshawn Johnson and the other guys in that group, Irving Fry, you guys have a new person in that group with you guys, and it's Marvin Harrison Jr. Adam Ruttenberg coming up <laughs> on the other side. Stay with us here on The Better Angle. Coming up, more live sweats and winning bets with The Better Angle on the BetQL Network, presented by BetMGM.